Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to today's webinar. It is titled How to Create Psychological Safety at Work Using the Five C's. I'm Mark Graben, a senior advisor with Kinexus. On behalf of the entire Kinexus team, we'd like to um, thank you for being here today. And I would like to thank uh, our two presenters who are joining us. They are Karen Ross and Jessica House. So let me introduce, uh, first off, Jessica House. She's an experienced counselor and coach with a diverse background that includes mental health services, leadership, and lean management. She has over a decade of experience in the mental health field and has an unwavering philosophy that every human being wants to do well and can do well. That sounds very much like lean thinking as well. <laughs> so she has a passion in helping children, parents, and families live their best life. Jessica has a master's in counseling psychology and spent years working at a children's mental health center in Ottawa, where she supported people experiencing a range of emotional, social, and or behavioral uh, challenges who came for help. So she combines, again, the lean and mental health um, methodologies and backgrounds. Jessica started her own business called Lighthouse Counseling and Wellness, and she is one of the co-creators of the five C's of psychological safety that we're going to learn a lot about today. And I also want to introduce um, Karen Ross. Um, she's on a mission and uh, she is trying to help people create a better, kinder world. Karen is, among other things, an artist, speaker, author, consultant, coach, and practitioner. Karen travels the world, well, I guess in, in normal times, and we'll look forward to getting back to that. But she teaches people her, her unique system of combining creativity, continuous improvement, and kindness to make a better world. Uh, she is the owner of KRC, Karen Ross Consulting. She is one of the founding mothers, as uh, they refer to themselves, of a group called Women in Lean, Our Table. It's a global group of more than 750 women who are lean practitioners. Uh, Karen's also founder and president of the Love and Kindness Foundation Project and the New School for Kind Leaders. And she also spends time designing and sewing her own clothes including the dress you're wearing today, right, Karen? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so, and then before I hand it over to you, I do want to mention and congratulate Karen for the publication. I just got this a couple of days ago of her new book called The Kind Leader. Now we'll give our full attention to Karen and Jessica. Let me hand it over to you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark. And thank you to everybody who is here from all around the world to join us to learn about this very, very important topic of psychological safety. And before we delve right in, I thought it was really important to set the context in terms of psychological safety. So Right now, in particular, we're really living in uncertain times. We've had so many different things thrown at us. There's been lots of changes in our world, at work, at home. And so when things are uncertain, our brain really goes into a bit of a stress zone. And, you know, for us to be able to bring our true selves, our whole selves to work, we need to understand that we need to relax the brain so that we're able to do the great work that we want to be able to do in organizations, to be able to innovate and create and come up with really great ideas. So psychological safety right now is more important than it ever has been. And so I'm sure many of you who are familiar with Lean would have heard about 5S. And 5S really focuses on the physical safety of our environment. 
Psychological safety is just as important. It really is that foundational component for which all other work can happen. And so organizations really need a system where they're able to, one, assess the level of psychological safety in their organization, and two, be able to improve and ensure that everybody feels safe from an emotional perspective to be able to ask questions, to be able to admit when they've made a mistake, to be able to raise their hand if they need help. And we need a system to be able to do this. I know Karen and I, we've worked together for some time now and in many different organizations. And the conversations that we have is that there's something, there's a missing component when we're going out and supporting organizations, um, in lean management, implementation, there's something that's missing. If we're trying to do improvement work and we're not hearing about the problems on the floor, um, what is it? And through our, our, um, our friendship and our coaching relationship, we came up with the fact that it's psychological safety at its core is the missing ingredient. Karen, do you wanna to add to that? Yes, absolutely. As Jessica said, Jessica and I have had the opportunity to work with each other for uh, many years now. And it started out uh, that I had the wonderful time coaching Jessica in a, a lean organization. And I really love that Jessica brought her background in mental health to that, um, you know, lean organization, because so many times we wonder, why, why won't people give an idea? Why do people seem to be resistant? And, you know, we have a variety of different ways to think about it, but that mental health perspective and how do people, you know, relate to all of these different kinds of things that we're doing for change, for lean, is unbelievably important. And as Jessica said, we're just in the most uncertain times. And every time we think things are going to get more certain, something else happens, right? And every time we think things are going to get more certain, something else happens. And so Jessica and I, as we really thought about this, and we thought about lean, we thought, you know, when you ask people, what's the first step you take in a lean transformation? Oftentimes, people will answer, well, you do five ass. And what we really thought is, when you talk about respect for people, that pillar, like the not the continuous improvement pillar, but the respect for people pillar, which is less defined, I think, we'd like people to have a way to think about what's even underneath that first step. And that's psychological safety, because all transformation of any type, all processes are created and changed by people. And so we thought, well, there doesn't seem to be anything like 5S for this respect for people part. So we decided to create it. So we're so excited to teach you about the five C's of psychological safety today. And we hope that they will become just as important and just as well-known. And when you think about lean, you'll think about the five C's just as people think about five S's. So Jessica, I'm super excited. Me too. I'm so excited. And, you know, uh, in terms of the definition for psychological safety, Karen and I have went back and forth. And really for us, what it comes down to is being comfortable bringing your whole true self to work. And what that means is that you're comfortable raising questions and admitting mistakes. What 
many of us have experienced, myself included, in some organizations, let's say we're at the table and, you know, there's a conversation happening and something's just not quite making sense. And we have a question, but we're worried that it might be a bit of a stupid question. And so we keep it to ourselves and we kind of look around and look at, look around the room to see, is it safe for me to ask this question right now? And I don't know how many times you've experienced this, but for me, I've experienced many times where I have not asked the question. It didn't feel safe enough for me to ask the question in the moment, whether it was not feeling safe because I was worried about judgment of myself or that I was worried that perhaps, you know, I had missed something in the conversation. But what happens when we don't create psychological safety is we're actually we're taking away opportunity for the organization to learn. And so when we actually focus on creating psychological safety for our people, for our organizations, what we're doing is we're actually, we're we're setting the foundation to create a learning organization where everybody can learn together. So on that note, let's delve into the five C's. So the very first C is clear expectations. So to feel psychologically safe, we really need to be clear about what the expectations are for ourselves. And that means, you know, what is the expectation in terms of my day-to-day work? It also means what's the expectation in terms of psychological safety in this organization? Am I expected to raise problems? Will there be any repercussion if I do? Can I be expected or should I be expected to admit if I've made an error? And what happens when I do um, make a mistake? So this is all part of the clear expectations. And it takes really strong leaders to have that clarity around what they expect, to put it out there in their organization, and then to model exactly what it is that they're expecting of their employees. Absolutely. And, you know, this starts from leadership and Whenever I'm working with a new organization, and usually I'm the person who's working, you know, as the coach of the CEO or vice presidents, I always start with the same question. I always start with saying, okay, can you tell me what your purpose is as an organization beyond making money? What's your mission statement? What's your vision statement? And largely I'm met with people who say, "Uh, can I check the internet for a minute? (laughs) And look, and I'm like, Oh, well, if you're not clear as that senior leader about what our big overall purpose is, how are the people who are leaders underneath you right down to the people who are doing the work, how are they going to be able to be clear about what the organization is about, how we should treat our customers, how we should treat each other? as team members, and that lack of clarity and clear expectations is not just for physical work, but is how do we treat each other? What's okay or not okay to say in the language that we use? How do we um, turn up in meetings? And so it goes right through the entire organization, that clarity of expectations, and we're not, when we're not sure what to expect, We're going to do our best because as Jessica says, 
everybody wants to do well. That is 100% true. But if we actually don't know what's expected of us, we may think we're doing well. And we're actually not doing well. And when that happens and someone comes to us and we put our heart and soul into doing our best, into completing our projects, into doing the work that we believe is the most important work to be done for our customers and our organization today. And when our leader comes to us and says, why did you do this? You should have been doing that. People are heartbroken. And then we absolutely do not feel psychologically safe in our work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, such a great example. And I'm sure many of the people listening today or watching today can relate to walking away from a conversation, feeling like you understand what the expectation is only to be surprised thereafter to learn that, no, you weren't on the same page. And so one of the things that's really important for us to keep in mind when we're thinking about clear expectations is that clear expectations require teaching. So we actually need to make sure that we're teaching our employees and showing our employees what we expect of them so that there is that mutual shared understanding when we go off and do our work. Yes, I'd like to add one thing here, Jessica, and just a little yeah. exercise that everybody can do, you know, while they're on this call or at the end of the call is take a moment and just write down for yourself. And it doesn't matter whether what whether you're, you know, in a frontline position, whether you're in a leadership position. What is the what is the expectation for my own work today? What do I think that my leader expects me to do? Write that down and then go have a discussion with your leader. And it will be interesting to see whether you two are on the same page if they match. If they don't, we know we don't have those clear expectations, right? Because we know that everybody is doing doing their best to do well. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So the second C, this is about connection. So connecting regularly. We need to connect regularly with our employees in order to create psychological safety. And this is really important. If you think about the psychology around relationships, the more frequently we see people, the closer we feel to them. Um, the more we understand who they are as people outside of work. And so when times are good, it's really easy to connect with people. But when times get tough or during uncertain times at work, when things are changing on the daily, it's really important that we have a relationship to buffer during stressful times so that we can lean on the people that we need to be leaning on for help when we need to admit that something's not quite right or when we've made an error. And so our brains are actually wired for human connection. Like we, from infancy, we connect with our caregivers um, through relationship. And we learn best when we're connected to people. We tend to follow people's lead if we have a sense of connection with them. And so if we apply this to organizations, it just highlights the importance of connecting really regularly with our people so that we know who they are when they're having a bad day. We're able to come in as leaders and offer our, our help and support, see what we can do to help the workflow to take care of our people. So that connecting regularly becomes very, very important in terms of psychological safety. And 
I love it that you say that we're wired for connection because, and, and I think for anybody who, who, you know, really didn't have a good understanding of this before uh, COVID-19, I think one of the things that we all found is that we were so used to having, we didn't really think about that connection. We would be at work, we would be with each other. Jessica, you, you were in a team that actually was in one room together. Right. There were six people sitting together in one room. You spent every moment in that connection. And then what happened? One day, all of us were were just told, "Okay, you all have to leave and go home. And the thing that so many people have felt the most and that's really caused us to feel so unsafe psychologically is that disconnection. So what we always like to say is that. The more connection, the better. And if you want to make sure that people understand and that your expectations are clear, we're, the more connection that we have with people, the easier it's going to be for us to check in mm-hmm. with them and make sure and check and make sure that they understood those expectations. So my suggestion, especially in this digital world, if you normally connected in with your team once a day, actually up that to two or three times a day, right? You can, instead of having a 15 minute check-in in the morning, check in for five minutes in the morning, reconnect at lunch for five minutes, check in for five minutes at the end of the day, because we need that connection to be able to feel our best, do our best and be and be our best. It is the most important thing for us as human beings to feel safe and also so that we know that we understand what the expectations are, especially in this time in which actually the expectations in the morning may not be the expectations in the afternoon. Yeah. And, you know, right now, um, With COVID, we've really changed how we work together. And so there are organizations now that are exploring a hybrid work model. There are some that are fully work from home, some that are fully back in the office. It's really important that we think about what connecting regularly looks like now, given our current state. And so what might have worked previously, like you know, passing each other by in the hallway and being able to ask about, oh, how are your kids? How's the family doing? How are you doing? We no longer have that um, in order to be able to connect with people. We have to build it in perhaps. And so some, sometimes we talk about, you know, we're on Zoom all day in meetings and there's like a formal agenda. So where are the opportunities to actually connect on a personal level so that we can see how our people are doing from an emotional perspective? And the response that I give is we, if it's important to us and from a psychological safety perspective, it is absolutely critical we need to prioritize it. So we need to build it in. And so perhaps we need to get creative and build it right into your Zoom meetings that at the beginning of your meeting, you're doing a go around and it's just informal, casual conversation, checking in with people, how their families are doing, how they're, you know, what their hobbies are, just connecting with the people, really building that into your schedule. Jessica, when we started working together, how often did we connect? We connected every day for minimally half an hour every single day. Yeah. 
And, you know, just speaking from the heart, Karen, I love you. That was really intimidating at first. You know, I was brand new in an organization and it was not the type of model that I was used to. I was used to as a senior leader in an organization, I would do my rounds, but for the most part, the administrative part of my job was so high that I was spending a lot of my time in my office and not with people. And so now when coming into this new organization and having the lovely pleasure of getting coaching 30 minutes every day, at first I was totally thrown off and I was like, there is no way this is happening, but I embraced it. And now I I can't even imagine not doing that because the connecting that we did together, Karen created, I would say a lifelong friendship. Absolutely. And you can, you can tell me when I'm off base and you know what, we have that buffer of our relationship because we've connected so much that it feels safe to hear it, even if it's uncomfortable. So that's the ultimate goal for you uh, when building psychological safety in your organization is to connect as regularly as you can with your people. Okay. C3. So this one is about caring genuinely. So we've, we can fake it until we make it, sure. But to create psychological safety, we really do need to care about our people. People are very, very good at reading others. And in fact, if you think about the brain from an evolutionary perspective, our brain has been around for a very long time, millions and millions of years, and it was designed to keep us safe. The number one goal of our brain is to keep us safe. And so what that means is it's hypervigilant at looking in our environment and looking for perceived threat. And so if we think about this and apply it to relationships, we are constantly looking for people to show us whether or not they care genuinely about us, they're going to have our back, um, And that they're safe, that it's safe to be with this person. And we'll pick up on perhaps maybe facial expressions or tone of voice that tells us that there might be an unsafe um, component to this relationship. So as leaders, when we think about this, as employees, when we think about this, caring genuinely with your whole heart is so important because people can, can read you very well. And so if we think about lean and our work in lean organizations, oftentimes um, we're implementing lean because we're trying to um, either get better results, better outcome for our clients. Perhaps there's a, a financial reason why we're implementing lean. And when that becomes our whole focus and we lose sight of the actual people side of lean, Uh, we're really going to risk creating environments where people don't feel safe. Now, Karen, I know this topic in particular is really important to you. So do you, do you want to add some things about caring genuinely? Yes, I absolutely do. And from a lean perspective, I think so often, you know, we've been, we've been taught to focus on the process, not on the people. Hmm. Right. And I think, I think that's helped us, but it's also in a way done us a disservice. Because we actually need to focus on caring about our people really genuinely. And if we're only thinking about what's the bottom line, how long is this transformation taking, uh, how much waste did we remove, and how is this 
going to affect the organization, we actually might forget that all of our people who are real people need our care. And they might have worries about, well, if we improve this process and now we only need two people to do the job and we've had four people doing the job, what's going to happen to me? And so we might say, oh, well, let's focus on how much better the process is going to be. But we forget to focus on caring genuinely that the people who do that work might have a legitimate fear and a legitimate worry. People often ask me, well, how do I learn to care genuinely? And here's what I'm going to say about that. And it goes right back to connect regularly. When we connect regularly and we talk to people and we get to know them as people, as whole human beings, and we spend time with them, it becomes almost impossible not to care genuinely. If Jessica, if one of your kids isn't feeling well, I'm worried, right? (laughs) That's because we see each other, even now, we see each other on a day-to-day basis, probably 30 minutes, I see the kids in the background. (laughs) You know, you get to know somebody as a person. Oftentimes, and this is in the kind leader book as well. Oftentimes we think as leaders, well, we have to build up trust with someone before we can interact with them and ask them about something about their home life, about their personal life. The truth is, I'm going to say it's the opposite way around. In order to build trust, in order for people to feel psychologically safe, we have to get to know them as whole people. Then when we do that, we're going to have that trust between us because we care genuinely about them. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that, check in frequently, right? Connect with people as frequently as possible as the real fabulous human beings they are. Absolutely. And one last thing just to build on what you were saying is you can you can learn to care genuinely. And one of the skills that's super important when showing genuine care is the skill of empathy. So empathy really is being able to put yourself into somebody else's shoes. So to really understand what that person's experience is like, what they're feeling, what they might be thinking. And the best way to do that is to pause and ask some questions, to get somebody else's perspective, to sit and to listen really actively, to reflect back what you're hearing and to check to see if what you've heard is resonating with the person that's just shared with you. So the act of you know, or actually improving your ability to care genuinely would be to practice the skill of empathy. So please remember, focus on people as much as you focus on the process. Absolutely. All right. Shall we move on to the fourth C? The fourth C is consistent kindness. So Karen, I I always turn this one over to you to kick off because Karen is the, she's on a mission to make the world a kinder place. So this is really her, her, uh, her specialty. Thank you so much. And there, both of, both of the words in the, this fourth C are so important and that's consistent and kindness. Kindness comes from that 
empathy, that our ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and see something from their perspective, actually not from our perspective, but to really see and understand from their perspective and the compassion that comes when we see their suffering from their point of view and our desire to overcome, help them overcome that that suffering. The act that we do to do that actually is kindness. And leaders who act kindly towards people because they care genuinely about them in organizations, that creates trust. And I want you to think, for everybody who's on this call a moment, about a time when you were at work and actually you felt fear. And when you think about it, that fear comes from a worry that you somehow are going to be treated unkindly or that you've been treated unkindly in the past. So Jessica, you gave a great example at the beginning, right? That you think, well, I might wanna ask a question about this so I don't go off and do something that's incorrect, but maybe in a previous meeting, you've been and you've asked a question and maybe your leader answered the question, but actually they crossed their arms and they rolled their eyes and you could tell that they were thinking, oh, that Jessica, she never understands the first time. She's always asking questions, right? She always has to have a clarifying question. Mm -hmm. When we feel fear, it is a signal to us that there is some kind of tie to unkindness. And so as leaders, we actually need to make sure that we are acting kindly, that we are thinking about what our actions, our words are doing in terms of someone else's perspective. Are they actually helping that other person? Because if we do not believe that we are going to be treated kindly by our leadership, we are going to have fear. And when we have fear, we're worried, what's going to happen to me? We don't ask questions. We don't put forth ideas. We don't bring up potential problems because we're afraid. Think Now I'm going to ask you to think about a situation in which you weren't afraid to do that, to do any of those things. Chances are it's because you were treated kindly, that you don't have fear that you're not worried about what's going to happen. And the most important thing is consistency. Mm-hmm. Because actually, you can be kind, 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 and what people are going to remember is that one time <laughs> that they were treated unkindly. Those kind, our brain helps us, right, to keep us safe. They stick in our mind. So it's that consistent kindness. When people know that they're going to be treated kindly, consistently, then they lose that fear. And as leaders, we've created an organization of trust in which people can be their whole self, bring their whole self, do their best, be their best, ask questions, innovate, create. Consistent kindness from leadership is key. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't have much to add to that one. The only thing I would say is, again, around consistency. Consistency creates predictability. 
right? And so our brain really thrives when things are predictable. That's when we feel safest is when we feel like we understand what's going to expect. And so if to Karen's point, you're, you're kind during the good times and you've been kind even during some of the stressful times, but there's been maybe one time when you were having a really bad day and you weren't kind and maybe you never turned around and came back and talk to the person about it because we're all human. We all have bad days and we all have moments where we're not at our best. Um, So the expectation isn't that you are always kind, but it's that it's the, how are you treating people? And if you do, you know, have a bad day, do you come back around and actually talk about it and address it, apologize um, and explain what had happened. So the consistency is really important. All right, that brings us to the fifth C. So the fifth C is co-regulation. And so for some, this might be a new concept. Essentially what co-regulation means is that the internal feeling and emotional state is going to work to match somebody else's emotional state and internal feeling. And so if you think about co-regulation from a young infant perspective. Um, So a baby who is crying, who is, you know, there's something that's stressing them out and they're not able to communicate except for with their, their tears and their cries, they are looking in the environment for help in terms of regulation to get them back to the place of calm. And so If the caregiver comes to the infant in a calm manner and with a very calm voice, a tone of voice is calm, you know, perhaps rocks them, talks to them in a soothing way. Over time, the baby, and of course, if you're addressing the baby's needs, the baby's internal state is going to work. It's going to work to match the regulated state of the caregiver. The same is true if the caregiver is stressed. So if the baby is crying and the caregiver comes and approaches the baby and is like, oh my goodness, why are you crying? What's going on? And their tone of voice is high and they're they're stressed. The baby feels it. And so they are actually both staying at that stressed state. And so if we think about co-regulation and apply it to an adult context, um, perhaps maybe outside of work, just to give an example, if you're on a plane, for those of you who have ever flown and you go through turbulence, I know I've had some very, very rough turbulent uh, rides, I will look straight at the flight attendant who essentially is the leader of the plane in that moment for me. And so I look to the flight attendant and if the flight attendant is looking calm, smile on her face, smile on his face and seems, you know, to be okay, that there's nothing stressful here. I instantly feel my internal state go to a place of calm. But if I look at the flight attendant and I notice any sign in their facial expression in what they're giving out into the world that they are stressed I am going to stay in that stress state. So that essentially is an example of co-regulation. Now, if we apply this to the work context, especially now, things are changing on the daily. There, you know, a lot of organizations are facing a lot of great stresses, perhaps stresses that they haven't had to face before. Employees look to their leaders to see whether or not they're stressed or whether or not they're calm. 
And so the role of a leader in the scenario, you can really help create psychological safety for your employees by regulating your own emotion and so that your employees can then match the emotional state that you're giving off. Karen? I absolutely love that. And when you think about, you know, the lean principle of going to Gemba and being with team members and connecting regularly, when we connect, we need to remember that people are looking to us as leaders, not just for the words that we're speaking, but again, for that co-regulation. So we have to know ourselves well, right? And watch ourselves carefully because people are watching. And I worked in an organization and I was frontline customer service. And the person who was the manager of the branch was absolutely fabulous with this. And we'd hear all kinds of rumors from all kinds of different uh, parts of the organization. And she was like, always totally calm. And so everybody, I always said, when the top is calm, the bottom is calm because we would look at her just like you look at the flight attendant, Jessica, right? And we're like, oh, she's totally fine. We're all going to be totally, totally fine. And in a way, that's connect, that's creating a clear expectation as well, right? And we have to do it by connecting regularly. And it's kind to help people co-regulate. We're here all together. So this is something new for me to learn from Jessica. So thank you, Jessica. This has been extremely uh, important for me to learn too. <laughs> that's that's excellent. Yeah, no, I'm happy to share. And, you know, when we think about it, for me, any of the times when I felt unsafe, um, the team that wraps around me can either help me feel more safe by the way that they're behaving and the leader, I will turn to the leader and they can also help me feel safe during those uncertain, stressful times. So this, this concept is really, really important for us to understand. And it really does ask us to develop strong uh, self-awareness. So being aware of our own triggers, of our own, um, you know, signs and what we give out into the world so that we can ensure that we're practicing in a safe way so that other people around us can feel safe. So that actually wraps up all of the C's. So maybe it's time for question and answer. Unless, Karen, do you have anything else that you wanted to add? No, I really wanted to say that. Um, Jessica, thank you, first of all, for working on this with me. And it's like, and Mark, thank you for, for you and Kinexis for helping to bring this to people, because I really do want to bring it back to the beginning. In Lean, we tend to think that we need to start with 5S first, right? I'm going to say that actually, we need to start with the five C's first before anything can happen. People need to be, it's not just they need to feel psychologically safe, they need to be psychologically safe. Great, very well said. Thank you uh, both uh, to Karen and um, Jessica. So we're gonna have time for um, a good question and answer session. Um, Karen does need to leave five or seven minutes early, but Jessica will be staying here till the top of the hour to keep addressing questions. So a couple of quick announcements. Um, first off, um, we are going to continue the Connexus webinar series. We don't have anything currently scheduled or ready to announce yet. We are working on those for October 
November and December, but um, you can register to get email updates about new webinars. Um, you can find the link for doing that at kinexus.com slash webinars. And then next we have um, additional resources we would like to point you to. We have well over a hundred webinars in our Kinexus webinar library. They're all free. You can access them all via a link that's on uh, the right-hand side of kinexus.com slash webinars. You can find those on our YouTube channel. Um, you can find the audio of a lot of our webinars in our podcast feed, and you'll find the audio of today's session um, again there in the podcast. We invite you also to check out our blog. Um, there's new content um, pretty much daily at blog.kinexus.com. Then a final uh, plug for the podcast. It's available through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, all of the main uh, and favorite podcast apps, or you can learn more by going to kinexus.com slash podcast. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, you would have heard the, the nice little uh, preview discussion that Karen and Jessica uh, and I had a couple of weeks back to preview the webinar. So there's all kinds of great stuff in the podcast feed. And so with that, um, we'll do Q&A. And as a reminder, please do, um, if you can, put the questions into the Q&A section. Um, there, there is one that I see here in the chat though. Jessica, can you mention the triggers uh, for C1 again? Oh, for sure. Let me just pull up that slide. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So C1. And the question was, sorry, what was the question? Uh, it was about triggers for C1. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but maybe I'll just go over clear expectations again, just uh, I'll review it. So essentially clear expectations is about really understanding what's expected of you at work um, from a a task perspective, but also from a, what is our organization? What does it rec represent? Who are we? Um, what's our purpose? And what does psychological safety mean? And what are the expectations that I have as an employee in terms of psychological safety? So is it okay? And am I expected to bring up if I've had a bad day? Um, or if I'm not feeling at my best, is it okay for me to admit that I've had, I've made a mistake and am I expected to raise that and what will happen if, and when I do. So the leader really making sure that that is clear and well understood and that we have a shared understanding that it's not just assumed that people understand, but we've actually went through and taught them what this actually looks like. So that would require a leader to model what the expectations are in their own behavior. I hope that helps. If uh, if yeah. if they need more clarification, please feel free to ask ask again. Yeah, please uh, please do put a follow up um, in the chat um, about that. So um, and then maybe let me ask you just to recap once if people joined late because I, I think your summary of it was so good. Um, just to recap again, your uh, description of or definition of psychological safety. Yeah, absolutely. So psychological safety is a feeling or a belief that you can bring your whole self to work without any re repercussion. So for instance, you'd be able to ask for help, admit mistakes, come up with new ideas, and that you'd be able to share those ideas without worry or fear. Um, so when not feeling psychologically safe, 
you might hold back. You might notice that you're not being included in conversations. You're not being invited to the tables. If you have something to say, you're holding back. So that would, those would be signs of not feeling psychologically safe. Great. Thank you for uh, for that recap and summary. Uh, there's a question from Ken. Um, empathy can be very difficult to embrace for leaders because it can reveal vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Do you have an exercise or a best practice for people to practice? Can we get better with empathy, how to practice empathy? You mentioned a few things, I think, mm-hmm. but what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I like to do is to work with somebody where you're basically you stay in the question zone. So um, basically you ask somebody to share their perspective or concern. You might ask clarifying questions. So there's there's a couple of different tools that you can use to practice empathy. So um, asking clarifying questions would be one of them. Um, Reflective listening. So reflecting back what you've heard, you can either say the words that you heard exactly, or you could paraphrase and see if what you've understood is matching what the person's intention was. Um, You can take some educated guesses. So sometimes when we're trying to understand somebody's perspective, perhaps it's hard for the person to explain, or maybe they're not feeling quite safe to share. And so to practice empathy, one of the things that you can do is ask, take some educated guesses. So, you know, based on this scenario, I'm, I'm wondering if perhaps this is how you are feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, is that accurate? So that would be an example of taking an educated guess. So those are three things that you can do and you can practice this with somebody. So perhaps a safe person to start for you, if this is a skill that you're, you're um, learning and not feeling overly confident with, and then eventually trying it with in a real life scenario with your employees or even your own leader. Karen, do you have any other examples? I have a couple of other examples, and actually, you're going to find some exercises in the Kind Leader book, but here's something that I think is a really safe way to practice. Turn on the television and choose a news station that has the opposing view of what you normally like to listen to, and then actually listen to somebody who is speaking from an opposite perspective that you come from. Listen for a little bit and then, first of all, note how you're feeling, Mm. right? Note, am I having a closed mind and a closed heart? And then take a piece of paper Mm. and write down your initial thoughts and feelings about why the person is saying those things, why the person feels those things, and then actually write as long a list as you can of other possible reasons. Mm that the person could hold that view, right? And it's a really safe way to practice because you're not actually, (laughs) you know, in contact with the person, but it also helps us to really, really, really see how often, actually we have a closed mind and a closed heart as well. And we're thinking of something from our perspective, our brain is wired this way, Jessica, right? You told us that way, right from the beginning. Our brain is wired to keep us safe. And in order for us to be empathetic, we have to actually physically practice. That's why I really like this exercise to writing things down. We are physically practicing something in a safe environment. 
Very interesting. That'd be a good thing to go practice. Um, <laughs> another question from uh, Luis: um, How can we find our areas of opportunities on each of the five, oh, each of the C's? How can we see how we're progressing? And I, I was wondering, I jotted down a similar question: Is there any way of assessing? the level of psychological safety in a workplace. Like a leader might think, oh, well, no, I've created a safe environment. Well, maybe. Uh, are there objective ways of trying to assess this? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm gonna answer, actually, I'm gonna say, if you would really like to do that, I'm gonna ask you to join Jessica and I for our longer uh, workshop. We actually have uh, a workshop on October 26th, leading with the five C's of psychological safety. And we actually have a short form uh, in that workshop that we're doing of an organizational assessment and personal assessment. And then of course, Jessica and I have a longer program and a longer assessment that you could use. And as Jessica is a trained professional, <laughs> it was super fun to work together to create it. But we agree exactly the same thing. And if people don't know where they are, where they want to be, how are they going to close the gap? Jessica, what would you like to add? So we really hope people are going to join us on the 26th. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I guess there are a couple things that you might notice um, in terms of identifying whether or not you have an issue with psychological safety, because a lot of times the senior leaders are unaware they're unaware of the true problems in the organization. And we know this as lean practitioners, don't we? That, you know, the higher you get in organization, the less they know about what's going on. And so there are some kind of red flags. One, retention issues mm -hmm. will point, that will definitely point to an issue with psychological safety, where in terms of the C's, we can help, as Karen said, we do have like short forms that will really hone in on each of the different C's and identify which one um, you're struggling with in particular. Another issue is employee engagement. If you're most organizations, at least the bigger ones, they have they measure employee engagement and they have, you know, perhaps pulse surveys that they do uh, once or twice a year to really gauge the, the state of their organization. I would suggest if you have an employee engagement issue that there's an issue with psychological safety. Um, and if you're not hearing any problems as the senior leader, if you're in meetings and you're noticing that nobody's saying anything, you you give the direction and there's absolutely nothing coming back at you except like, yes, we're all in, we're good. That might be a little bit of a red flag to go in and explore a little bit deeper. So that's what I would add. Yeah. I mean, what I hear you saying, another way of asking that would be to reflect and think, can you remember the last time a peer or an employee disagreed with you? Yes. And yes. if you can't remember a time, that might be a bad sign. Or maybe it happens all the time where it's no big deal, but. Right. Yeah. No. Beautiful. Absolutely. Um, it's another question that came in from uh, Paula um, regarding kindness. What's the best way to handle my own feeling of impatience, for example, with the slow pace of groupthink when a decision is needed? If we find ourselves being impatient or unkind, what can we do? Well, I'm going to say that, first of all, noticing that is the first step, right? Because oftentimes we just act and we aren't self-aware about how we act. So first thing is be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Nobody is perfect. 
right? And we're all impatient and we all want things to be a different way and we all want things to be our way. So be kind to yourself and say, I'm noticing something that is a very human trait. Now I'm going to make a plan about what am I going to do? What questions can I ask? Who can I speak with? How can I make sure the expectations of the pace that we're supposed to be moving at are clear? Because actually maybe there weren't clear expectations and you think that this is something that should be done in a month, but it's actually something the organization is thinking six months or a year. So I would suggest go and ask an open-ended question to a leader because that's a sign that the expectations maybe aren't clear. And then when you see other people reacting in ways that you think are impatient, co-regulate, mm-hmm. right? And say, let's have a discussion about this. There's a myth that um, that kind leaders and those who are kind don't have difficult discussions because having a difficult discussion isn't kind. Actually, as kind leaders, we're probably going to have more discussions that people might think of as difficult because we want to find out what people are really thinking and really feeling. And we just need to have those, those discussions kindly. So be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Go and ask a question and work it out. So I actually have to hop off to go to my Kind Leadership Week Lunch and Learn. So Mark, can I say again, thank you to you and Kind Nexus for helping us to be part of this Kind Leadership Week and this celebration and bringing this webinar an important topic. And I know this is a topic that's important to you before Jessica and I started working on this work as well. Thank you so, so much for your kind leadership in bringing this important topic and so many others to so many people for so many years. It is a joy and an honor and a privilege to be your friend. Well, thank you, Karen. That's very kind of you. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. But thank you again. I'll, I'll talk to you soon and, and share some other thoughts. A lot of positive feedback from the audience to you. All right. So. See you. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Jessica. But um, maybe we've got time, Jessica, for um, another um, question or two. Um, Catherine asks, or she says, first, I really like the, the exercise of write down opposite opinions on TV. You could maybe even do the same. This is me just adding. You do the same thing on LinkedIn. You see somebody post something and you could go through that same, same exercise. Why do they think that? Why do they say that? Uh, but the question is, do you have any good exercises to build emotional intelligence? Mm. Yeah. So emotional intelligence is really about self-awareness, right? It's about understanding yourself. And so one of the things that I often do with clients is I help them identify their triggers. And actually this kind of ties into the last question around patients. So I can maybe tie the two together. If we start to become aware of our thoughts um, and and how we feel in our behavior and or on the inside. Sometimes it's easier for people to identify their feelings versus their thoughts. In other cases, it's easier for people to identify the, the thoughts first and then identifying how they're feeling. But to become truly, um, to develop your emotional IQ, um, it really is important that we understand our own triggers. And so it, I would start tracking. So anytime you notice yourself triggered, you could track on a piece of paper or on an app um, what the situation was and how you were left feeling and what was your thought. 
And once you do this over time, you're going to start to notice some patterns. And what you're doing is you're, you're just generating greater awareness of self so that then you're ready to tackle, how do I improve in these areas? Or how do I change my thinking? If you notice that you have some thinking patterns that are unhelpful, that leave you feeling impatient, that leave you feeling um, frustrated with people, then we can start to actually do some work where we change our thoughts to more helpful thoughts, more realistic thoughts, ones that serve us and serve others. And so that exercise of just starting to track your thoughts and your feelings and your triggers can be very, very helpful. All right. Thank you for that, Jessica. And then maybe one more question here. And I think this question from Ellen, I think is an opportunity to connect some dots between uh, kind of lean concepts, philosophy, and what you're um, doing here with the five C's and psychological safety. So Ellen asked, how do you equate this? I think meaning the five C's and everything you talked about today with leading with humility, Mm. important Toyota phrase. Yeah. I mean, leading with humility really is in, in my opinion, it's like that vulnerability, right? It's, it's a leader being able to bring their whole self to work Mm -hmm being able to be completely open and honest about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and asking others to do the same. And so tying this together, in order for us to do this, it will become much more easy for our employees to feel safe, to um, be vulnerable, if they see their leaders leading with humility being able to admit their own mistakes, to be able to ask for help, not pretending that they know all the answers. Because how many leaders have we worked with where it's Mm -hmm. like they know everything about everything? And so that does not leave people feeling safe if they aren't feeling totally sure. So I would connect the two concepts that if a leader is leading with humility, then you're going to create an environment where people are feeling more psychologically safe. The two are connected in that way. And and that could be another question for self-reflection. Can you remember the last time you said, I don't know? Mm. And how would your employees answer that question? Do they ever hear you saying that? That's uh, Yes. Yeah, that's a great one. That is a great one for sure. Yeah. But thank you for um, your thoughts on that. And thank you for such um, a, a helpful, insightful presentation today, Jessica. Um, really, really appreciate you and, and Karen taking the time to do this today. Um, any any final thought that you might want to um, leave the audience with? Um, just, you know, if ever you're feeling like you're wanting to learn more, don't hesitate to reach out. I think start. sometimes we hear from people like, where do we even start with this? Mm-hmm. I would say, just start somewhere. Like sometimes people will get stuck. Like which C should we be focusing on? Really anyone that feels safe for you to start with. And so if it's about gathering and feeling more clear around the expectations. So perhaps your next step is to go, if you're feeling unclear, to ask your leader to take that chance of asking your leader and admitting that you are unclear and asking for that clarity. That is where you can start. Or if you're feeling like it's safer to start on 
co-regulation and perhaps, you know, really modeling being calm with your colleagues and see how they shift in, in their state, um, then perhaps that's where you start. But don't get hung up on where you start. Just start wherever you're comfortable. And thank you. Thank you all for spending your lunch hour or wherever you are, your time with us, um, learning about this important subject. It's just um, so important. And thank you, Mark, for having us on and for letting us uh, share this, this with everybody. We're just, we're very appreciative. Well, of course, and we're, we're happy to do it. And on behalf of the whole team at Connexus, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you to everybody who attended today, or thank you for watching or listening to the recording.